helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Thank you for joining us in this episode of the Life Transformation Show. In this week's show titled, How to Deal with Gaslighting in Relationships, I will be given practical strategies on how to overcome gaslighting. In last week's show, Seven Types of Covert Gaslighting, we uncovered seven forms of gaslighting. So if you missed that show, it might be a good idea to listen to it to see if you are being gaslighted in your relationship. Before we get into what I mean by gaslighting, let me welcome all of our listeners and let me um, just give out our contact information. So if you are new to this show, you can find out more about us by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. So what is gaslighting and what do we mean by gaslighting in relationship. Well, the term gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which a person is manipulated into doubting their perception of reality, their recollection of events, or even their plans. And so in the 1940s movies from which the term gaslighting is derived, the the movie was by the name Gaslighting. In that movie, the husband tried to convince the wife that she was becoming delusional, that things that she recollected didn't really happen. And so it was this plot to convince her and others that his wife was becoming mentally ill and so was incapable of having a sense of reality. So the term has been used in psychology, has become very common in psychology to represent a form of manipulation. However, as we said last week, the gaslighting itself is not new. Actually, it's around from the very beginning of time. In the book of Genesis, for example, we see that the serpent, the devil in the form of the serpent, was actually gaslighting Eve. The devil tried to convince Eve that what she heard God telling her was incorrect. In other words, when he came to her and he said, has God really said you should not eat from any tree in the garden? It was a way of saying, Eve, maybe your recollection of what God said to you is wrong. Let me tell you what God really said. And those of us who read the Bible know very well how that story ended. It led to Eve's and Adam being kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And similarly, gaslighting has severe consequences on people who suffer from it. If you are in a relationship where you are being gaslighted, you are at risk to develop anxiety, you are at risk to to become depressed, you're at risk to have a nervous breakdown where you may become a shell of yourself. So it is important to be able to 
identify first of all if you are being gaslighted and to know how to deal with gaslighting in your relationship. And so this is what this show is about today. It's going to be giving you seven strategies, seven tips of how to what to do if you are being gaslighted in a relationship. So the first tip is to become good at spotting and naming the strategies. In last week's show, Seven Covert Types of Gaslighting, I highlighted seven specific types of gaslighting strategy. And I suggest that you become good at identifying those types of gaslighting because it will help you to spot if you are being gaslighted in your relationship. As I said last week, these types are very covert. Many of us will be able to spot the outright lie right away, but we are not able to spot the these are the covert types of gaslighting. So it's important to listen to that show. I don't have time to go into all of those seven things that we talked about at length last week, but it is crucial that you are able to spot and name the strategies that are being used against you because it will help you to be able to ground yourself and not to begin to feel as if you're losing your mind or that something is wrong with you. And so last week we talked about the denial of emotion as one of the strategies, for example, where the narcissist will say, you know, you're not really unhappy about this relationship. We have a great relationship. You're unhappy about your your job, even though you know quite well that the relationship is terrible, that you have been treated in the most the, the, the most uh, dreadful ways, but still you are being convinced that your emotion is due to something else. Sometimes it might be put off to it's the time of the month or some other reason why you're unhappy. But so be care be, be very become very good at spotting and naming it. We also talked about the role reversal, for example, where you will think you will get an apology for something that the narcissist did. That was obviously and blatantly wrong. But instead, the role reversal reverses the role so much that when you talk about what you have been affected with, you end up being the one who is apologizing in tears to the narcissist for what for what you did to them. So last week in last week's show we used the example of just a name we came up with to illustrate the point, Karen, names we came up with to illustrate the point, Karen and John, where John was at this party and John neglected Karen the whole evening. It was his it was his workplace Christmas party and she was left at the table for hours while he danced with another co-worker on the dance floor. But when she complained on her way home about how badly she was treated, John switched roles. John said, I was hurt that you sat there the whole evening and did not dance with me, even though he was the one who carried her to the party where she knew no one and left her sitting there by herself without introducing her to his 
co-workers. And so he ended up playing the victim where you, you didn't come and dance with me. And my co-workers were all wondering what's wrong with you. And so Karen broke down in tears and she's apologizing for making John look bad to his co-workers when that was just a gaslighting strategy. All he did there was to switch the role, the role reversal. Become very good at spotting that. Because if you are not good at naming and spotting techniques like these, what will happen is that you will fall prey. The Bible says that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I think when you can name the truth of what is taking place in these strategies that are used by narcissists and manipulators, then you will empower yourself to be able to resist them. And so the second the second strategy of how to deal with gaslighting in relationship is to avoid attempts to isolate you. If you allow yourself to be isolated by narcissists and manipulators, then you, the influence that you might get from others to help you to think in a rational manner will not be there. And so manipulators and narcissists tend to isolate their victims. And even if they don't isolate you fully, they might be in control of where you go and they're always with you. And they're not comfortable with you going out with your girlfriends. And the reason for that is, even though they might tell you it, it, that you're not spending enough time with them and that it's okay for you to go out. Whenever you go out, there will be an argument. And after a while, you may just give up on going out with your girlfriends to have peace in the home. That's a form of manipulation and it's an attempt to isolate you. So they might isolate you in cutting off uh, your your association or the social times, I should say, that you have with your friends, or they might become so so attached to you that they, they are with you everywhere that you go and they're not comfortable with you being alone with anyone else. So that's a form of isolation as well because you are not able to be with people in a context where you can be yourself and be outside of of the, the listening ear of the ear of the narcissist. And so it's important to see that 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 is an attempt to control and manipulate you. Or the, the attempt to isolate you might take another form as well where certain types of people does not meet the narcissist a standard that you should associate with these people. They're just not good enough for you or they're a bad influence for you. And these people may be seen as threats to the narcissist. And so what he's doing is that he's cutting off your supply of being influenced by others who do not agree with his way of thinking or others who have stood up to him or her in the past. And so it's important to, it's crucial to understand that 
at, these are all attempts to isolate you from others. Develop a good support system. Don't allow yourself to be isolated because if you do, the strategies that are used on you will become more effective because you will be subject to the brainwashing of the narcissist without any influence from other people outside of your relationship. And the third point, and, and this is a crucial, they're all crucial point, but this is one that is often missed by a lot of people. And I have even read some of the books and uh, some of the advice that has been given out there. And I don't think this is mentioned as a crucial point. And this third point is avoid debate about the facts. Avoid debate about the facts. Now, many people or books that have written will tell you that you keep, you, 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 you make note of the facts and that you assert yourself when the, the narcissist says something differently. But this is a little bit different because debating the facts with a narcissist will never convince them that what they're saying is wrong. You're not going to get, oh, thank you so much for telling me that I was wrong. And now I see your point. You're never going to get that response regarding how much you debate, regarding how much proof you have of your position. What you will get instead is attempts to gaslight you and to convince you that what you're saying is erroneous, even though you may have proof for it. So avoiding debating the facts is crucial because the more you debate the facts is the more you're subjecting yourself to the gaslighting of the narcissist. So what I suggest that you do, I'm not saying that you don't speak up about the facts, but don't debate it. There's a difference between stating a fact and debating a point. So here is what you do. Simply state what happened and how it made you feel. And if the narcissist use any of the techniques, the role reversal technique or the d denial of emotional emotion technique, simply go back to stating what happened and how it made you feel. So in the example of Karen that I gave in the earlier point, what Karen should, stay, should say is, thank you for letting me know how your co-workers think, but what I am talking about here is our relationship. You left me seated there in an environment without introducing me to anyone and went and danced with this woman for two hours and it made me feel disrespected. It made me feel as if I was not a priority and it made me feel humiliated. And there is no debate about those feelings. Those are, those are facts. And you state the facts. You state how you feel. And if the narcissist continues to argue or the manipulator continues to argue, just simply, uh, just simply say, I can see that you don't want to hear how I feel and just walk away from the argument. Because there is nothing that you're going to debate that is going to let the narcissistic person change their opinion on the facts. And the fourth point is 
keep a record of events. Keep a record. Keep a record of the the dates. Keep a record of the time. Keep a record of who was involved in the events that that you are bringing up. And the reason for that is not to convince the narcissist, because as I said before, keeping a record. Convincing a, rec- uh, a narcissist with facts is not going to change the narcissist's opinion. The record is for yourself. The record is there to keep you grounded, to make you know for a fact that you are not losing your mind, to make you recognize that what the narcissist is doing is trying to blur your reality, to make you begin to doubt yourself, to make you lose your self-esteem and to be, and to break down your resolve. And so if you keep those facts and you can go back to it after, you're not bringing these facts up with the narcissist in arguments. Because as I said, the more you argue, the more you're being gaslighted and the more you're subjecting yourself to these gaslighting techniques that is going to wear you down. This is to build you up. This is something that you go to after the, the narcissist has denied what has happened and you go over it, you read over it, you read the date, you read the time, you read who was involved and you simply uh make a record of that in your mind that, yes, I'm not making this up. This did happen. It's also a good idea to keep pictures. Keep pictures of bruises. Keep pictures of broken belongings. Keep pictures of holes that have been punched in the walls and bills that have been accumulated because the narcissist will will try to convince you that you're just imagining imagining these things, that he didn't really hit you. It was just a, a gentle touch. And so the bruises will be a way of reminding you yourself that this did in fact happen. The broken belongings will remind you that you are not losing your mind, that these things were in fact broken. And so I've seen so many cases of people who come before me for help or in narcissistic relationships where they will bring up events that happen and these things are denied as if they never happened. And so it's important to to keep this in mind because the a narcissist will work away at making you feel as if your version of reality is flawed until you will start believing it yourself. And so these pictures, these records that you're keeping is for yourself. It's not for to you is not to be used to convince the narcissist that they are wrong. Because as I said before, the narcissist will never will never admit that what they're doing is wrong. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on the topic how to deal with gaslighting in relationships. 
You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. The fifth point is to recognize the cycle of abuse. Last week, we talked about the fake epiphany, which was a subtle technique where the narcissist says, if you have come to a point where you are hurt so badly in the relationship that you just can't take it anymore and you're willing to walk away from the relationship, the narcissist will suddenly have this epiphany out of nowhere where they might even tell you that God has spoken to me or an angel came to me last night in my dream and tell me that how I am treating you is wrong. Recognize that this is also a technique. And think to yourself, how many times have this happened in the past? When I ask my client if they've had epiphanies before, if the narcissist that they're with has had epiphanies before, they will say, yes, this happens like once every six months. So my next question is, why do you think it will be different this time? And a lot of time, the the person who is the victim is caught up in this cycle of abuse where they go through periods of normalcy, then periods of being treated really, really bad, then feeling as if they can't take it anymore and ready to leave. Then there is a fake epiphany and they go back to normalcy and the cycle starts over again. And so recognize that this is part of the cycle of abuse and that nothing has really changed. Uh, some of the literature talk about love bombing, where the, the person, the narcissist, will start doing these acts of love that they have never done for years with the person at the point where the person has been hurt so badly that they are ready to walk away. And this love bombing, this flowers and expensive gifts and dining out and all of these things that you have been showered with, it's all part of the technique, all part of the cycle of abuse. And so it's important and crucial to recognize that just because there is this fake epiphany, just because there is this love bombing, it doesn't mean that there is any real lasting change that is going to be happening in your relationship. Think about how many times before you have been through this very thing where there is a sudden realization that they are wrong and there is this sudden uh, treatment where you have been showered with gifts, but eventually things go back to what it was before. And so, The sixth point that I think it's important for us to keep in mind also is that in some relationships where these techniques have not been practiced, these five techniques that I have talked about before have not been practiced, the victim's mind is at a state where 
they're they're they are doubting their reality. They are easily manipulated and convinced by the narcissist that their opinion is wrong. And the only way that they can heal from that relationship is to do the sixth point. And the sixth point is to take a time out from the relationship to heal. You have been so badly damaged by years of gaslighting that you are not going to recover in the current state that you are in. And it may be just a week or two to be with family members. It might be a vacation, a week or two vacation by yourself where you can reflect and self-care as a way of healing from the years of narcissistic abuse. And so this taking of vacation is very, very important. However, you might be in a position where you cannot afford a week of vacation or you do not have family members that you can, you can go to for a week or two. In that case, I would say start taking frequent breaks away from the relationship, a day away, every week. Reflect and heal and self-care. Taking these breaks away from the relationship, these small breaks away from the relationship over a period of weeks will help your brain to heal and recover. And so this will put you in a much better place to be able to use those other techniques that we have talked about in the first five points. And I think when you're already at this stage that you're 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 you have low self-esteem and you're doubting yourself and your friends are telling you why don't you leave this person and at times you plan to leave but at other times you're so convinced that he's the greatest person on the planet because of the manipulation. If you're already at that place it is crucial for you to take time away to heal. And the seventh and final point is for you to seek professional help. And let me say here that not every therapist is versed on how to spot narcissism in relationship. I have had clients who have come to me and say, or in narcissistic relationship and say, I am the first person out of many counselors that they have been to who really understand what is taking place in their relationship. And I don't think I'm the only one, but I think not every clinician is trained into recognizing this dynamic in a relationship and know how to deal with it. So find a professional who understand narcissism narcissism and who can help you to deal with it in a in a way that can empower you to free yourself from the gaslighting techniques that have been mentioned and just to 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 help you to prepare for this once you have find a professional and you start to show signs of healing be sure that the narcissistic person will come up with excuses as 
to why you should stop seeing this person. It might be that they're too expensive. It might be they're too far away. Or there might be some other excuse to get you to change from seeing the person who is causing you to become more assertive and to be able to identify what's going on in your relationship. So there you have it, these seven forms of the seven ways to deal with gaslighting in your relationships. If you have any question about any of these points that I have spoken about today, feel free to give us a call at one eight seven seven five four four three five four six. You can also contact me at uh, through our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counting with two L's, ministry.com. I would be delighted to hear from you. I also want to remind you that we are a not-for-profit organization that counts on your donation to stay on the air. Donation can be made through our website. You can also support us by becoming a weekly sponsor or a monthly sponsor for as little as $5 monthly on Patreon, patreon.com slash Elim Counseling Services. We also have all our podcasts on our YouTube channel. So if you search for Elim Counseling Services, you will see over 200 podcasts there. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Music